0: Hello, and welcome to the Yoga Magic Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. I'm a longtime yoga teacher, a coach, a mama, and just a true lover of all things health, wellness, spirituality, self-care, and self-discovery. If you're new to this show, I really hope that it brings you tons of different ideas, tools, modalities to prioritize You know your own needs. Yoga was really the first, like that catalyst for me, and I hope to bring you some of those ideas Um today on this show. So we have a returning guest, Maria Victoria Albina, who literally blew my mind a couple years back, sharing her insight on codependent behaviors. And now, if you're new to this concept of codependent behaviors, you might be surprised that, you know, especially as women, you might have dabbled in this before. This might be something that you are conditioned to or you've done just out of habit. And that's the need to serve others as a way of putting value on who you are, on who we are. So go back. I just re-aired an episode a few episodes ago, episode 201, with Maria Victoria Albina. And today we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this concept, into the concept that we discussed around a life of choicefulness. You're like, okay, what choicefulness? Is that a word? Yes, choicefulness. That at the end of the day, we have choices. We can live our life in choice to be of service of others rather than obligation. And when your brain wraps around this concept today, everyone, you're going to be just like blown away, hopefully, like I was. Now, does choiceful mean that you're just like doing the things you want to do all the time, that it's just a life of like luxury and you do whatever you want? No, no. Life doesn't work like that. We know that, right? But what this does mean is we can have a better understanding of the bigger picture. What is the big choice that you're making and how can those smaller steps that aren't always quite as fun or enjoyable or easy, how do they help contribute to your larger choice in life? So let me give you a quick example of this. I choose to be a mother my values as a human being have a lot to do with being a good mother and raising good humans. Now, are there parts of mothering that I really don't like? Yeah, <laughs> there's like a lot. But at the end of the day, I choose to invest in being a great mother and that's a value to me, right? That brings me joy. And those tougher challenges and tasks and things that come up that aren't so great, they seem a little bit easier because they have a purpose. And I'm choosing to contribute to something much. Bigger. I really love this conversation because it gives us the reminder to do some excavating of what is important to us, how we can live a life in choicefulness of those important things, of our true values. So in this conversation, Maria Victoria and I discuss how to live in service of others while still remaining in service to ourselves. We discuss having agency over our own life. We discuss experiencing our own emotions in our body and understanding On a somatic level, who we are and what we feel. And we discuss energetic boundaries in a really unique way. A lot of times we talk about energetic boundaries on this show, and she has a great insight on how to learn how your emotions affect you, get to know those so that you can decipher yours from someone else's. I always learn so much from Maria Victoria, and I know you will too. If you love her, please check out her podcast, Feminist Wellness, and go to her website, victoriaalbinacom yoga magic, for some awesome freebies, some meditations, all the good things. Finally, friends, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks so much for tuning in every week. I'm I just love this community. I would love to connect with each of you. I, I have the absolute joy of working with my friend Sarah Leverett on joint human design and astrology readings. And I get to meet a lot of you through those readings. We look at your birth chart, we look at your human design chart, we talk how they overlap, we talk about your gifts, your strategies, and it's just a really fun self-discovery tool. It's by far the most popular service thing that I do and I'd love to meet you and read for you, whether it's in a joint reading or in just a birth chart reading. So grab a spot in the show notes and head over to ashleysondergaard.com to learn a little bit more about how we can work together I hope this episode is really insightful to all of you, friends. There's so much goodness in understanding what is of value to you and how you can make the choices that best serve you in your life and ultimately how that best serves other people as well. So let's get to this conversation. I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back, Maria Victoria Albina. I'm so excited to see your face to be able to chat with you, to continue this conversation. Thanks for being on the show.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's always such a delight. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I was
0: laughing a little in preparation for this episode because I was talking with my husband about this idea of overfunctioning. And actually, he's the one who brought it up. Like, have you heard of this like idea of overfunctioning? I'm like, in fact, mm-hmm. I have. And I have a really great episode for you to listen to. And I started drumming up all these ideas and questions that I have for you that we, I feel like can unpack in like a whole another episode. So that's what we're
1: doing today. We're getting Ta-da! deeper. <laughs> I love that. I love going deeper, getting deeper. It's so good because this it stuff, is. I mean, it's not just how we're living right now. It's all our childhood survival skills and wounding. It's ancestral. It's how we saw our parents living, right? Like mm-hmm. that's some deep business, we're deep
0: him. business. And in, and it's not something that, I mean, I feel like everyone is in it, right? Like we are all experiencing experience it at some level and hopefully this really translates to everyone. So if anyone doesn't know you, can you just tell
1: listeners a little about yourself, the work that you do, your podcast, all the goodies? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my first name is Maria Victoria. My last name is Albina. And I have to say it that way or people start calling me Maria.
0: Got it. So, got it. You,
1: yeah, I've learned over the years. Uh, so, Maria Victoria Albina, I'm a family nurse practitioner by training. I worked in holistic and functional medicine for many, many years, and uh, took everything I learned in that practice towards uh, life coaching when I realized that it was really the trauma I was treating after all. Um, I have a podcast called Feminist Wellness, and. Um, what else? What are my words? It's funny how you give your own elevator pitch like four hundred times of A your bio, times. <laughs> and then my brain's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> oh, I don't know who who am I, Ashley? What am I up to?
0: What's your <laughs> zodiac sign? Let's go,
1: let's throw that oh, in there. Girl, what are your big okay. three? My big three: Leo. Yeah, on I the remember sun's this side. Side. Yeah, yeah, you remember. <laughs> uh, so Leo on the sun and uh, Sag and Taurus. Mm -hmm. So, Taurus rising. Taurus rising.
0: Ooh, girl, that's exciting. You have your, so Jupiter is moving into Taurus today. I know. Which is very, just like, mm, it's yummy and it's like all about you
1: right now in that first house. Thank you. Also, always tell Leo that it's all about her. So <laughs> this episode's all about my hair. Is that correct? I think it is. Think okay, we've, got,
0: we've got the visuals now <laughs> since we've last recorded. We have like full video, so. <laughs>
1: it's so fancy. No, it's a delight. Yeah, and I'm glad that Mercury is out of the Gatorade and that's
0: really good. <laughs> Did you have any right. wild Mercury retrograde stories? Anything that just like blew up?
1: There's a couple um, – well, you know how that thing where like exes will haunt you either like in real life yeah. or in your dreams? Yeah. I had like three nights in a row of dreaming about an ex of mine who was a had, very, person with very no good behaviors and then dreamt about my partner's ex, oh. like the last night of Mercury retrograde. Like I could not get that girl out of my head. <laughs> like I kept trying to wake <laughs> myself up and be like, get it out. But she just, she was relentless with the power of Mercury behind her. I guess. So do you ever like crazy. think like, okay, what what do I need to know from this or do you let it go? Oh, to- well, because Mercury was in the microwave, I knew that it was <laughs> it was the stars and not like if it had been like a regular Wednesday, I'd be like, What's what's going on? Yeah. You? Yeah. What are you up to? But I feel like it was just haunting. I don't know. What mm. do you I mean, what would you would you have gone deeper? Would you have Dreams no. are funny because like everyone that I've talked to on the show
0: about dreams, it's that they make no sense. They are meant to be completely all over the place. Like that's their point. And you don't really like come, they don't really make sense or like we can't necessarily pull lessons from it until we're conscious in our everyday life. And then something hits you and you're like, oh, that's what that was. Which helps me like, I don't make, I'm like, I don't know what this, what's going on in this weird dream. And I dream exclusively about high school, only about
1: high school. Isn't Hold that up. weird? Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. I adore you, and that is weird. Yeah,
0: maybe we need to unpack that
1: when it comes Let's, to play. <laughs> so now, this hour is no longer about the, the good Leo's hair, but rather
0: it's about, about Ashley's, Ashley's trauma fascinating I psyche.
1: Don't was know. high school traumatic? Or no, just like mm-mm. it was
0: not at all. It was like fine. It was yeah. like fine. It was yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't anything major. I don't know fine. what. I don't know what it is. But I'm a cancer son, and cancer sons live in the past.
1: Oh yeah, very much. So, huh? You're so that. tender and sensitive. Tender. <laughs> I must admit, I offend you by on like your people, your kind, I, yeah. because I make these jokes. Plus, the sag, like the Joker of the frigging zodiac up in there, and I'm just like, I'm making an off-color joke, <laughs> and Cancers are like why did you kick me? And I'm like, yo, no, I didn't kick you. I'm a New Yorker from Buenos Aires and the Leo and the Sag, and I'm sorry. And I am sorry because I'm very tender too. But then sometimes my jokes hurt Cancer's feelings.
0: You know, they need it though. And actually, these are the people that we're talking to today is the cancers, the Libras of the world, the sensitive, the givers, the nurturers. And there's some of this in all of us, all of us. And so- I have – okay, so let's – I just want to pull it back for listeners. Also, amazing segue, listened,
1: by the okay. way. Thank you. Like that That's was what I do. Brilliantly. You managed me so well right there. <laughs> well done. Okay, so you're going to pull it back for listeners if they haven't listened
0: to – If they haven't listened to the re-air most recently of the episode that we did. We did it in, what, 2021. 20, we were in the midst of being at home and there's I've listened to that so many times. I really have. It is my own show. And I just, there's so many things that I pulled out of there about this idea of codependent behavior, of yeah. being wrapped up and taking care of others as a way yeah. of identifying your own worth and how you have explained we can we can move past that. Right. And today I want us to get deeper into this idea that we're Many of us are constantly in service to others, whether that be our partners, our children, we're in jobs where we take care of other people. And where that line is between taking care of others, being in service of others, wanting to make the world a better place, and that codependent behavior, where it becomes somewhat unhealthy. Do these worlds coexist? How can we take care of others and ourselves? Like, I I know
1: you're the person to answer these questions. Why, thank you. And I I love this because you're right. This is the core of it all, right? Mm -hmm. Because to be a human, to be a pack animal, to be an animal whose nervous system must co-regulate with other nervous systems is to be an animal that must live in community right we are by def- by design and definition here to be interdependent with other humans right and so that w- i often joke that the people who need my work who need to work on their codependence the most are the wildly independent Because they're just running from, right, their experience of like, well, I can't ask someone else to help me because then they'll have a feeling. And if they have a feeling, I can't manage it. And it's my job to manage it because I'm wildly codependent with them. But Mm -hmm. I mask it with independence, Mm -hmm. right? So when we realize that being that wildly, I am a rock, I am an island, independent is not the answer for co-regulating mammals, that we need each other. It behooves us to learn how to feel into the felt experience somatically, where soma means body in Greek and somatics are body-based practices, feel into the somatic bodily experience of of being in service versus living from obligation, (laughs) right? And for me, that's what it is. One is I want to, I'm available to, and one is I must, I have to. Right. So much of my work is based in the nervous system um, and and really working with our bodily experience of life. And so one of the shorthands I use is that sympathetic activation, which is fight or flight, which is anxiety, which is worry, which is adrenaline, which is there's a lion chasing me. What it says is I have to. I have to do this. I have to get this in. I have so many things on my to-do list. I have to get the kids going. We have to go, right? It's, I have to. It's Mm -hmm. anxious energy. It's not, there's, there's no shavasana in there, right? Like that is, right? That is anxious energy, right? And when we live from there, of course we put other people ahead of us. Right, of course we people please. Of course we try to keep everyone happy with us because, as you said so brilliantly, it's all about believing that our our worth is something that must be earned, mm-hmm. and that we earn it by keeping others happy with us.
0: <sighs> it's a lot. Loving it. Sit in. Okay, so you said the word obligation.
1: Yeah, that's the whole. That's the whole freaking thing of it.
0: Right, and. It- I, I can only speak from my own experience, so apologies if I'm I'm bringing up my own stories. But I love your own story. Okay, <laughs> bring it. You know, it's, it's your funny. Show. I'm in life coaching school, or not life coaching, health coaching school right uh-huh. now. And so much of that I'm learning is about working with clients. You know this as a as a life coach. It's it's letting them come up with their you know their own ideas and their own um, yeah. goals, and yet. The, wrapping my brain around the things that we're talking about and like the things that I get to talk about on this show I can only live it through this experience. So I encourage listeners too like if you're like trying to apply this to your life think about specific examples yes. because it does really help. So obligation. If I am obligated or I'm not if I am obligated to get up and take care of my family on a regular uh, basis. Okay. And I love it and yet I don't always want to do it. Is it something that we kind of have to like flip the switch in our brain or talk ourselves into like how can I right bring right. these together? Obligation yeah, and also
1: want. <laughs> there's okay, we're going to break this down. So there's obligation as a sensation, obligation as a feeling, okay. obligation as as a story. So for example, Let's say there's a family gathering and you would rather do something with your friends that weekend or instead of go to the family thing with your family of origin, right? Let's say you go from a feeling of obligation. I don't want to, but my mom's going to be upset. My grandma's going to be upset. (laughs) What we're really doing, generally speaking, is trying to keep others from having emotions. Mm -hmm. Because again, like the wildly independent, I don't ask for help because I don't want people to have feelings. Cause I don't know how to manage their feelings and it's my job to manage their feelings. So I try to keep them from having feelings. So I don't, right. You see this yeah. back and forth we're doing it's living from obligation is the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. We're trying to keep other people from being disappointed, upset, angry, and God forbid bringing those feelings to us and asking us to be a, some kind of party to them and their management. Like, abs- w- no, no. I would rather go and be anxious and nervous or hate it or be resentful and miss my friends and, right? And like Mm -hmm. have this lousy time. And side note, probably make others have a lot, like contribute to others having a lousy time. Because when we live from obligation, we don't show up with our full open hearted selves, right? Mm -hmm. We show up as our resentful selves. Mm -hmm. And that's not cute, right? It's, it's not a good look. It's not loving. It's not kind. It's like something someone else then has to manage instead of just be with, right? And so when we live from that energetic of obligation, we are well, – what we're in is a false consciousness that we are being righteous and good and doing like some kind of right thing mm-hmm. when really we're just be showing up as a poo-poo grumpy pants. <laughs> Right? Mm -hmm. Right? And, like, we could fake it. We could be like, no, I'm totally happy to be here. But, like, but, again, even that is, like, you're giving the people you claim to love most a false self. Instead of letting them have – you let them have feelings. Right? So you back it way up to recognize. And I'm – you'll notice that I shifted from, like, feeding children to going to a party so we can talk about it with a little less – Like someone might die and then we can come closer into like, right. But so you start by backing way up and, and, and the backing way up is to like getting somatically present with yourself, learning who you are, learning the signals from your own body, doing like the deep somatic work, body-based work that helps you to understand who you are in the world Mm -hmm. in relation to self and others, but self first, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you got trust work, inner child work. I mean, it's it's multifactorial and it's layered, right? Which is not to be like you can't do it, quite the opposite. It's to say we go slowly, tenderly, thoughtfully. We use structures and systems to get us to there. Mm -hmm. And where we get to is recognizing that doing things that you don't want to do from obligation helps no one. And so it really comes back to aligning yourself with your values, with your priorities, and with your goals for your life. And sometimes that means like, you know, I would rather be with my friends, but I haven't seen my grandma in a while. And like, she's 92. And while like going to the beach with the girls would be really fun, when I think about my values, my priorities, I I want, I want one more day of memories with her. Mm-hmm. So... It's not the like what I most, most want to do, but from love for myself and this collective, I'm going to go to the party. I'm going to hang out with grandma and I'm going to go with good energy, not obligation has to. Because the other thing is, obligation energy is a complete lack of agency, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Someone's making me, I have to, right? Like I'm a little kid subjugate too. I'm being put in the car seat. Right. Like I weigh 30 pounds and I have I can't, I what am I gonna do here? Mm -hmm. But like you're not six and you're not 16. You're not even well, maybe you're 26 listening to the show. Hello. Right. You do have agency, you do get to decide, you do have choicefulness. And I know it doesn't always feel that way, but I think that's a huge part of this. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So then if we bring it back down to you waking up. And your forty-five children are looking at you. They're so cute, by the way. Every <laughs> time I see them on the gram, I'm like, Ashley makes a good-looking baby. Oh, you're sweet. You, you do. You <laughs> do. They've got like the best cheeks ever. <laughs> Seriously. So so much good cheeks. Good job. <laughs> so that this is when it becomes a little more more philosophical to say, like, stay with me here. Mm-hmm. You don't actually have to feed those children. Mm-hmm. You don't have to feed them. You don't have to water them. You don't have to feed or water yourself. You don't have to get up out of bed. You don't have to let the dog out. There's consequences (laughs) for all of these choices. Like, let's be very, very, very clear. And some of those consequences are most dire indeed. Mm -hmm. But I think what's vital is to get out of the mindset and the somatic resonance of that I don't have choice story. Right And instead, really allow ourselves the space to reclaim choicefulness, so that we can do the things that we actually we want the macro, right? We want the result. We might not want the day to day, yeah. And so we get to remind ourselves of that and, and sort of ground our bodies in the fact that we are choosing to move towards our goal and it's okay to not love every step in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know what this is actually bringing up for me? And I, sorry, I've just been, I've been just going because you got, I got excited. This is you know you're perfect. You good? We good? We happy? We're good? Really good? because okay, good
0: because you're answering exactly what I'm like okay. working you know. through.
1: Okay. So, you know, this makes me think of, um, you know, the whole anti-fragility movement, which is like, we can complicate things there too. We, I can, mm. I can complicate anything, but, um, where I'm going is this, when we fear emotions in ourselves and others, we take away a lot of our power. Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, I, I love the coaching I do. When I coach and anchor my because it's a 6 month program, we go deep and we do such powerful work. And do I love writing all the sales emails? Absolutely not. <laughs> no ma'am, no I do not. But do I do it? And do I feel obliged? No. This is one of the steps. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the steps. I also don't BS myself. And I'm like, oh, my God. No, I just love writing sales emails. Like, no. I, You know what it is? I come to neutral. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, this is a thing I'm doing. Right? I don't love emptying the dishwasher, but I'm pretty fond of clean plates. Pretty fond.
0: This is really – okay, so – the timing of this is kind of amazing. I just started reading um, The Courage to Be Disliked.
1: Oh, so good. Yeah.
0: And yeah. that whole idea that we're afraid of ultimately upsetting others, that like interpersonal relationships are ultimately like the root of all challenge, is exactly what you're saying. And, right. right. I want to bring it back to this concept again of like living in service of others because you want to, because like you're saying, we do want to, and there are parts of it that we don't want to do. And that's, that's life. That's life. But like, ultimately there is, when you've explored those values is kind of what I I think you're saying is you've explored those values and you find what's important to you and you find why you wake up in the morning. Those things that are kind of annoying become a lot less annoying. And <laughs> they just you, – you're able to move through them with, with gratitude. Am I am I summing this up in the right way?
1: Yeah. And I think it's beautiful that you're bringing in gratitude, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, just – yeah, I'm just thinking I went back to hospi- – like I was a hospice nurse mm-hmm. 400 mm-hmm. years ago. And – just to like be cleaning someone's bedpan at 3 a.m. And yeah. to hear that voice in me that's like, ew. And then to be like, girl, she's dying. She's dying. She's freaking dying. And you're, mm-hmm. he- no, I will not have it. So I don't ever shut my parts down. I don't ever scold them. I don't ever yell at them. I don't ever, you know, people hear it like, I just want the mean voice to just go away. No, we embrace the mean voice. We Right? We give it love. Mm-hmm. And we remi- we give it some 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 perspective. We help it to zoom out, right? And to say, like, girl, she's dying. Yeah, you're cleaning a bedpan at 3 a.m. And and she- do you know what this the woman this woman would give to be you with the walking and the moving the hands and the talking and the going home when your shift is over? Mm-hmm. Which is not to guilt or to bring shame or, like, it's really just perspective. And perspective is really challenging at 3 a.m., whether you're changing a bedpan, whether you're working. In, you know, my my partner's grandparents were coal miners, right? Like, she's one generation out of the coal mines. Wow. Right? Yeah. Like, r- life is rough out there for in some, like, big ways for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I think when we can zoom out and get perspective, we can really, we can keep ourselves from inviting in unnecessary suffering and misery. That's what it is. Unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Unnecessary. Mm-hmm. When a person you love dies, you, you will suffer. You yeah. will suffer, you will grieve, it will be terrible. And what are you at? So I'm talking now, I'm realizing about the second arrow, the Buddhist concept of the second arrow. Life flings the first arrow, and then you have a choice. What will you add? What additional suffering will you choose? Mm. It's up to you. Osea, it doesn't always feel up to us, right? And that's based on your nervous system. Okay. Right. So let's, let's like, go in a totally different direction to come back for a second because I want to honor trauma. So stress, distress, and trauma sets our brain towards a a greater leaning in on the old negativity bias. That's science. Like that's for real, right? And the idea of internal motivation of um, being able to visualize, you know, a you uh, that lives in a better way, right? Like that's it's all a little more challenging with a history of stress, distress, and trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't mean you're perma effed. It doesn't mean like what you've been through doesn't mean you can't change. I've I've been through some some traumas, and and when I say the word trauma, I mean like the clinical, right? Like mm-hmm. I've been through some stuffs, and um, it took a lot of work, a lot of dedication, a lot of commitment to come back to. Being the like bunny I am who sees the positive and who sees Mm -hmm. the like, you know, which is to say it's possible if you want it. And if you don't want it, don't have it, right? You don't need, don't have perspective if you don't want to. And I'm being really earnest. Like I'm not saying there's some like moral imperative to see the bright side or to zoom out and get some space. Like you don't have to, but it's possible if you want it. It is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can I ask some questions about that? You're talking about the somatic experience of coming yeah. back. Like, if, let's start yeah. from the very beginning. Yeah. Before we're even able to to grapple some of these yeah. codependent behaviors is that you talked about really getting in the body and knowing yeah. the self. What are we looking for in that scenario? Are yeah. we looking for, like, in my mind, it's like what brings us joy? And, like, what else are we doing in those
1: those practices. Yeah. To sort of generally get to know ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, it's, it's amazing what I'll hear in Anchored, like folks, um, who sort of have no idea what they want, what they need, what they even like. And I, and I get that. I chameleoned so hard growing (laughs) up. Right. I was like, Oh, you, you're purple. I am now purple. And really, so first of all just awareness right like when and where am i me Mm. which which may be very rare it may only be with a puppy or it's often with tender things right like with dogs and babies and like trees and nature Mm -hmm. and how and when and where notice i didn't ask why not interested How and where and when am I not me? And how are the ways that I am shifting to be not me? And how can I support myself and give myself love? So again, the befriending thing, right? How can I love up on these parts of me that keep me from being me so that they know they are safe with me? So too, when we start to feel emotions, most of us shut them down right? Mm-hmm. Because from mm-hmm. that codependent uh, experience of life, we are carrying the story that having emotions is dangerous. It's stupid. It's dumb. It's bad. It's a, it's a pretty much bad idea for us and for anyone else, right? Right. So when I have an emotion and, and here, let me back it up. A really easy bit of homework because who doesn't love homework? Come yes. on, we're, we're nerds here. Tangibles. Right? I love a tangible. Um, <laughs> is to sit for a moment, get out your journal, right? Do whatever centering practice works for you, yoga, breathing, walking, shower, whatever. Come back to you, right? Get your little journal and really take a moment to think about what the easiest emotion is for you to feel, right? And and that might be joy. Joy might be the most challenging, right? It might be anger. It might be frustration. Like, who cares? It's irrelevant. Whatever is like most facile for you to get into um. Go there, <laughs> and and practice feeling it from inside. So not just from the story in your mind of what this feeling feels like, but what does anger feel like inside? Hmm. Right. So, do you want to do one together? Yeah, let's yeah. Do it. Okay. So, what's an easy feeling for you, Ashley? Hmm. hmm. kind of a puppy
0: like you. Like I mm-hmm. excitement, like I anticipation. I excitement. Like
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I get a lot of like it's like nervous, but it's like good nervous. Like yeah, yeah in yeah. your tummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel that about a lot of things. I always yeah. talk about like my first cup of coffee
1: in the morning. Like that <gasps> yeah, makes me excited. i so excited. Um, <laughs> do you ever get uh, sad in the evening um, that you can't have any more coffee until When tomorrow? I
0: think about the next morning's coffee at like nine. Nine I'm like, be- oh, man. Oh,
1: my-, my I'm not allowed. Oh, I'm actually not allowed caffeine anymore full stop. But like it used to be, oh my girl, please. But like afternoon, I'd be like, oh, it's one. I have to live this whole long day without my gut. <laughs> and I do
0: a decaf. It's just not exactly the same, but you know. It's, it's not. Fine. It's not. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. So if we go into that excitement, that anticipation, let's see. okay, so it's like nine at night and you're on the, like, I'm excited for tomorrow's coffee. Where do you feel it in your body? What happens? I very
0: much feel it as a part of like, I say my gut, it's that like, tummy, bubbly. Yeah. Yeah. It like feels like bubbles. And I've I've recently in the last several years, probably since we've talked, stopped yeah. drinking alcohol. And I right. remember that's what this felt like when I would drink oh. alcohol, that feeling yeah. of like a little bit of euphoria. I mean it was dopamine, right? It was dopamine yeah, anticipation. And that's what that's what anticipation and excitement feels like for me is like mm. that like Burr. excitement bubbles in the tummy. Oh is there a color to it? I always think of like I think of like champagne. This is oh, I'm yeah, like alcohol, in, but like, oh, it really works. like, a
1: thing, like that pinky, like sort of oh, iridescent yeah. color. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is there a texture to it? Hmm. I just keep thinking of bubbles of like, bubbles, like pop rocks, almost. Oh, I love pop rocks. God, I haven't had those in like thirty years. <laughs> um, right on. Is there a sound? Like, can you hear the little bubbles?
0: I, I make that – I just like automatically make that –
1: like that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. So what we're doing by feeling into the felt experience and getting very Victorian with our adjectives and like really getting into detail about the, the what it feels like to have this emotion mm-hmm. is that we're taking the experience of an emotion out of the brain and out of the prefrontal cortex – we're allowing the medial frontal cortex, our watcher, our um, third eye, uh, our awareness to come online. And we're allowing the sensation to be in the body instead of just a cognitive process. And so what that does is starts to give us more information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you may feel a bubble or two sometimes like, oh, I know I, I, excitement's coming. Anticipation's Mm -hmm. coming, Mm -hmm. right? And so too, uh, you might learn what the whisper of sadness is, the whisper of anxiety, the whisper of anger, right? And so we can begin to get in touch with those felt experiences in our body long before it's a story, long before it's something we're reacting to from our nervous system, right? Before we're yelling at partners and children, before we're uh, grumpy in you know, customer service, co- right? Like when we're just, when we're chill and before the emotions got into to 10, we can be responsive and not reactive and can take care of ourselves. hmm hmm
0: And what I'm hearing is like, and I think this is different than I that coming into it is that like, okay, we, we feel that feeling. Yeah. We're able to, and just, I mean, essentially like work with it a little, but we're not right. changing it. I think in my mind, I, I was thinking like, we'd want to like, oh, oh, you're getting kind of anxious. Like let's, let's flip the switch and turn that around. And you're saying, no, we want to feel the feels.
1: When it is safe to. Okay. We want to feel the feels. And so the safe to is important. Right, and so for folks who are walking around dysregulated, who have an experience of stress, distress, or trauma that leaves them destabilized, right? Meaning you're not attending to your activities of daily living. Meaning, right? You're, mm-hmm. You need some stabilization. Mm-hmm. Then this is not for you to do alone, my darling. Got right? it? You go. Mm-hmm. Get, you, you go get some professional help. Which is that's beautiful to get professional help. Mm-hmm. That's what a delightful thing to do, right? And. Um, yeah, when it is safe to do it, we stay with the emotion because that's what allows it to process through the right. body, right. right? Instead of staying stuck energetically within our bodies and our nervous systems, right? Because the body, the nervous system will hold on to activated stress until it is completed, until it gets completed, right? Until it gets completion of that cycle. And that's what we do in the the modalities I'm trained in, in somatic experiencing, sensory motor psychotherapy, which I trained in as a coach. Um, It's all about meeting the body so that you also learn, not learn, so you really remember how to hold space in your nervous system for everything. Yeah, to bring us back, it's when you have your own back like that and know that you can hold any emotion, whether it's champagne bubbles or like deep, painful pangs of sadness, and you, you can hold it. You're, you're fine, right? Like it sucks, but then you're fine, right? It's like feeding your family. Like some days it sucks, but you're fine. Then you can tell your mom you're not coming to that brunch or just Sunday dinner, Right? You tell your partner you really need them to do X, Y, Z around the house, right? You're able to have skillful, honest, direct conversations from knowing that regardless of what the other person says, you'll have your back. You're not going to abandon you and your feelings won't murder you. (laughs) And I'm not saying that to be flip because before I knew how to do all this stuff, I felt like my feelings would murder me. I felt scared, like like the world would end if I said certain scary things. Like I, I remember feeling like the world is going to end. Like and it luckily it didn't. Right? And luckily, to my knowledge, having reviewed the, the literature quite meticulously, no one has ever died from having a feeling. But it f- can sure feel that way mm-hmm. until we know how to ha- have our own backs. Mm-hmm. So that's the work, right? Casual. Work. Casual. Just, yeah, like no big work. deal. Casual. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Just a little Cancer and a little Leo talking about talking ah, working feelings, Houston. feelings, joy, working all Houston, those top- feelings.
0: This is, though, this is perfect because. You've been doing some really amazing content around empaths, um, people that feel cancers. I mean, the ones all of us are at some level empathic, right? And those of us that tend to feel other people's feelings in a very big way, that can be extremely overwhelming. And my question to you is: How, when doing that somatic work, when doing the work, can we decipher what is my feelings? my emotions and what is someone else's? Is there, do you have any tools for
1: that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, a number one, energetic boundaries. Yep. What right? are your favorite tools for energetic boundaries? So I used to do this every day when I lived in Brooklyn because I'm not going on the subway without energetic boundaries. Yeah. So I gather all of my life force energy sort of into my core, sort of a ball right in front of my, my, myself. And then I use my hands and really visualize creating an orb around myself mm-hmm. and just really hold that tight till it feels really well sealed, like I'm a little tiny Easter egg. And then I go out into the world Easter egged. It really helps. <laughs> it does. It really it does. Helps. So energetic boundaries and being, and not, so there's this story, right? Like, I'm an empath and say, I feel everyone else is everything. No, baby, You're an empath with lousy energetic boundaries. That's why you feel everyone's everything, Mm -hmm. right? If I drop my boundaries, oof, oof, right? Also add my Claire's in there. Like it would be a party of people's – (laughs) okay, like to wit, like was it two weekends ago I was wicked tired and I didn't have good boundaries and my partner's grandmother keeps coming in, which is totally fine, right? Like I'm down with Mildred. It's a good time, but like (laughs) – usually I really appreciate consent to things right, right. like there being an old Swedish lady in my field. Right. But that <laughs> was on me. Cause I, I, I I hadn't t- done my spiritual hygiene. Right. Mm-hmm. I hadn't taken care of my energetic space and she's harmless. She's really sweet. She wanted to know if we'd eaten any blackberries. It was a lovely experience, but I just was like, yo, Right, we gotta we gotta manage our fields. So, mm-hmm. all right, well, how do we get to Mildred? Empaths, yeah, no, baby, no. It's your it's your boundaries, right? And that is a skill, and that takes time, and that takes practice, right? And particularly when we grow up in a household with codependent perfectionist and people pleasing thought habits, when we have a history of stress, distress, and trauma, disconnection from our own bodies, setting a words boundary is wicked challenging and setting an energetic one is too Mm -hmm. right so like I want to honor the both and here you know so I want there was there was something else I wanted to say about empaths and feeling everyone else's feels so how the question was how do I know if it's my feels or their feels yeah you get to know your feels in advance okay right so we don't practice setting boundaries when we're talking with the most challenging person in our world to set boundaries with right Like, you practice with your, like, kind, loving best friend. Okay. Okay. Right? Or with, like, I don't know, your really sweet puppy. Or, you know what I mean? You go where it's easy and allow your nervous system to really trust you and believe in you and feel that, like, it's okay, I won't die if I set this boundary. Mm -hmm. And you do that when the stakes, like, there's not even stakes. There's There's no stakes. Right? And the way I did that for years is I would turn to a beloved friend and I'd be like, Hey, girl, can I just – I am I, I don't know boundaries. Like, I'm practicing. It feels really weird and, like, someone's not going to love me and then I'm going to die. Can I try with you? And finding the friend who's like, yeah, baby, do it. What do you want to set a boundary about? And I'd be like, I don't know. She'd be like, okay, well, tell me I'm not allowed to punch you. And I'd be like, oh, 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 oh. And she'd be like, okay, great. Now tell me I'm not allowed to borrow your lipstick. Right? You see, like mm-hmm. – mm-hmm. And just practice. And so same, same, same with with empaths and and feeling your feelings. You got to know what your field feels like, right? And what the energetic and, and um, emotional experience of being you is so that you can recognize not you. That makes sense. That's such a good answer. And <laughs> I think about this a lot. I work with
0: someone who we do human design and astrology mm. joint readings and like she's so good talking about these empath gifts. Mm-hmm. and I'm this is such a cool idea of like you I mean it's it's simple, right? You have to know your own emotions in order to decipher them from someone else's. And what i what I think is really encouraging about what you're saying is like, Often I think we think being an empath is a bad thing. Like somehow we've been told like, oh, like, oh, you're, you're feeling the feels, especially sort of in the
1: spirituality space. That's and in fact, patriarchy. that's such a gift. It's yeah. such a gift. It's just like that. that is the BS of the patriarchy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because feeling your emotions means you're a weak little woman, right? Because like anger is not an emotion, right? And like being emotional is like the worst thing you can do. It's so weaponized everywhere. Ugh, she's just being emotional. Don't be emotional. Oh, you're crying in a professional meeting? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Having emotions is a beautiful thing. We need to reclaim it. And I think that's what the patriarchy does. It says, you know, if we want equity and equality as women, we need to be the same as men. Forget about that. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. That can, that can take a flying leap. No, we need to be just like ourselves, and and demand that the system change around us. So many like directions I want to go, but we
0: right? I know time. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, so So, yeah, (laughs) we know we talked so many things. We've talked about the somatic practices, you know, being able to decipher emotions, being in service to others while also remaining in yeah agency for yourself. Is there anything else, like since we last talked, we really got into those codependent behaviors. Is there anything yeah. else, like in the last two years, mm, that perhaps you've wow. pivoted, that you want to just like leave with listeners? I mean, like major ahas that you've really taken
1: away in yeah. the last couple of years. I mean, it really is the, the crux of, I, I now call codependent perfectionist and people-pleasing thinking emotional outsourcing. OK, isn't so that so good? That's really good. I, I felt very proud of it. Yeah It was like, well that just struck me. Right? Because that's what we're doing. We're saying, like, all oh, y'all manage my emotions for me, please. I'll manage yours." And people are like, "I don't want you to." And you're like, "No, but I insist." <laughs> and then you really insist. Anyway, so um, it really is about a deep lack of, a, of choicefulness and i think the thing that the 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 combination of somatics and cognitive work that i do has really helped me to see the the power of coming back to into a belief that we can make choices and mm-hmm. that we can change our lives in the way we relate to ourselves and the world and that we have choicefulness mm-hmm. I think it really is the and that the road to choicefulness comes from and returns to presence right presence and and intentionality. And we really forget that. Yeah. And so we live from these default modes, these like mindless ways of living and then wonder why we're not happy, why we're not joyful, why we're not free, why we're not, you know what I mean? We're not present. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect, yes. <laughs> Just like you.
0: Oh, so oh. good. Thank you yeah. so much Thank for coming you. back and just like diving deeper. And will you let listeners know
1: where they can find you, your podcast, your programs, things coming up, how they can work with yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, my podcast is called uh, Feminist Wellness. It is a certified good time. Uh, <laughs> and you, <laughs> you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can find uh, find that. Um, if you head on over to victorialbina.com slash Yoga magic. Ooh, we got a code. We fancy. And look at you. you have your own code. <laughs> there is a free present. Um, so it's a suite of meditations, nervous system orienting exercises, inner child work. It's all for free. They're audio downloads. They're just for your listeners. So head on over, grab them, victorialbina.com slash yoga magic. And lastly, you can follow me on the gram. I give good gram at Victoria Albina Wellness. Hmm.
0: Thank you so, so much. Maria Victoria, it was so good to be back with you. I appreciate you.
1: You're so wonderful. Thank you. Thanks
0: so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you enjoyed it, maybe text it over to a friend, share it on Instagram so those buddies can benefit as well. You can follow us at Yoga Magic Podcast. And I'm so grateful you're here, everyone. Thanks so much. I will see you
1: next week.